and welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio, of course, is a music interview and story podcast available for free on iTunes and on your interwebs at musicliferadio.com. Today on the program, we feature the musical duo Bobby Joe Abola and the Children Mac Nuggets. This band is composed of Dan Abbott on guitar and vocals and Corbett Redford vocals. This talented musical comedic duo who makes up the band has just reformed after a 10-year hiatus. Their music is best described as pretty songs about awful things. This is part two of the interview. Make sure you go back and listen to part one if you haven't already. That talks about the early history of the band. We're going to get into more about their musical influences, what music means to them, and talk a lot about their reformation, recent nationwide tour, their new music videos that they've been producing, and talk about their new EP, Freaky Baby, and their new album, F. So without further ado, part two of the Music Live Radio interview with Bobby Joe Abola and the Children McNuggets, this one entitled Children McNuggets. But first, a song from their new album, F. Hornaderos. Why are all these Mexicans standing on the streets of San Rafael? Whoa, 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 la, 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 la. Doesn't it make you feel weird to see them eating food at Taco Bell? serious before we get back into the comical musical musings of your band but uh i would like to ask each of you something i ask everybody what does music mean to you 
And we'll go ahead and start with Corbett Redford, vocals. Uh, well, for me, it's always been a almost medicinal. I would say that um, when I hear a song and it uh, it's something that I can relate to, it makes me feel less alone in the world. And I can I can only hope that when well when when I when I sing a song and somebody says, "Oh wow, that's how I felt," or "That's really funny," that made me feel better. Um, that also not only makes me feel <clears throat> less alone, that somebody would understand these kinds of thoughts or feelings mm. that I have, but that it also made them feel like they weren't the only one that had ever felt or thought that way. Um, I, I I'll, I'll just put a, I'll put it pretty pretty bluntly. A lot of people don't realize that you know toward the end of his life, you know John Lennon was not only a fan of the Ramones and the B-52s, but you know he was also like you know, lofting the politics of the Black Panthers. And th- this was a man who, like, spoke very simple truths. Mm-hmm. And f- and I I feel like it's one of the biggest, most horrible things that, that in the world that he's not around right now. And uh, for me, it's music is just, it's, uh, I don't want to say everything, but it, it, it means so much to me in, in regards to being able to communicate and to... Um, and 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 my 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 in my place my place in the world it, it makes me it's like that big map it's like you're you're in Disneyland and there's that red X and <laughs> and you look at that and like sometimes when you walk out the door you don't know where you're at or what you're doing but <clears throat> when you write a song or when we write a song together you know I look at it as like well, okay at least I know that mm-hmm. at least I'm here I am yeah. here you know so it it's a marker for time and. and yeah, it means a lot to me. No, oh, well said. Thanks. Next up, Dan Abbott, guitar and vocals. When I was uh when I was 13, I was given a guitar. And at the time I was I was writing a lot of poetry and uh you know, feeling pretty depressed, which, you know, is not too hard for a 13-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um and I thought what the hell am I going to do with a guitar? I'm not a musician. I'm a poet. <laughs> um, and uh, so it sat in my room for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. Um, and then I was on the phone with a friend of mine who played guitar, and he was playing something over the phone, and I asked him how he played it, and he told me how to play it, you know, where to put my fingers. And uh, I wrote a song from from that, um, but f- I feel like when I'm, when I'm carrying my guitar around and I'm at a party, say, and there, someone else has a guitar and they want to jam. I, I just don't, I don't jam. Cause I, I, for me, music has a totally different connotation. It's, it is, uh, it sounds cold, but it's it's a delivery system for information. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've grown to appreciate music a lot more in the last few years because I've uh, I've been playing music with a lot of more traditional musicians, some of whom are really really good, and I can you know I can sort of appreciate that aspect the the actual musicianship for as a songwriter it had always just been a means to an end. Um, 
and I I don't I don't really listen to all that much music, um, and I I feel like sometimes that offends people who are really passionate about music, um, but it's just you know I I like music and some music I really love, uh, but for me it's it's a way to to get ideas across more than anything else. Or bad poetry. <laughs> or bad poetry. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's the thing. It's if, uh, you know, if you get up on the lunch table at, in high school and yell your poetry out, no one is really going to pay attention to you. But if you, if you play, if you scream it while playing guitar, it might get stuck in their head. And you might mm. get a date. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting on that one. <laughs> You guys really kind of came before Tenacious D and Flight of the Concords, and I, I wouldn't say that you're the same thing at all. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys are doing kind of different things, but they, I mean, there is definitely some similar comparisons that could be made. But before that, what kind of influenced you? I mean, I know you were getting into acting and comedy. Mm-hmm. You had the comedy troupe going. Were people like Weird Al? Were those? people have influenced to you was dr demento show was that something that influenced you or is it i different um dr demento was like on the armed forces network and was Mm -hmm. at the time was losing a lot of radio channels so Mm -hmm. um whereas like my pop and and like my cousins and stuff like my my uncles and grew up with dr d i wasn't so fortunate yeah i would have liked to because i know like going back and hearing old shows so much great music Uh so much kitsch and amazing like novel like awesome history there um but i would say that weird al definitely was an influence on both dan and i okay um, huge hu- huge influence uh, at the time my father and my mother in the house like um you know there was a lot of like military stuff going on and religion and, and things like that so you know i couldn't really listen to anything with any strut or posture mm-hmm. be it rap or rock like it was just like i would be made fun of yeah like it was and so I could listen to Weird Al because he was goofy, uh-huh. and so and he was also smart, you yeah, know. Right. And so I, I kind of, I, I definitely clinged to that uh, early on. Uh, other than that, it was like, you know, a lot of Beach Boys, uh, Jackie Wilson, um, Jan and Dean. I remember like, you know, Can't Heat, Blood, Sweat and Tears, you know, stuff like that. That was that that my folks listened to, you know, um, but. Like, uh, I feel like he he was a, a pretty direct influence on the band. Uh, also, bands like uh, They Might Be Giants, a fellow named Tom Lair, who was an old Demento stalwart, an old, uh, what, 50s political satirist, uh, musical yeah, satirist. He was a math teacher at Harvard who started putting out DIY tapes in the 50s hmm. of his political songs. And then later on, he put out the 10-inch. He's still he's still alive and apparently teaches math down at UC Santa Cruz. He retired. He retired. Oh, okay. But he, he's still alive. Brilliant guy. One of, one of the few famous people in the world that I really would still like to meet. Me too. Uh-huh. He's no, he was noted like people just reviewed his stuff and said, this guy is just nasty and horrible <laughs> and just who is this person? Yeah. But when you go back and you listen to the stuff, it's like so spot on and uh-huh. like re- representative of the culture he was living in. Yeah. Talking about the things that people didn't want to talk about. And, uh, it's just like some really, really erudite waspy dude playing piano <laughs> and singing about like you know 
the multilateral force treaty and and Leonard Brezhnev and stuff. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, he's he was he was awesome. So I mean, those are some of and you you like yeah. I mean, when I was when I was growing up, I had a very limited selection of music. Um, you know, I I think I had four tapes that I listened to before um, before I got into high school, mm-hmm. and that was. Uh, the Beach Boys, uh, the best of the Beach Boys, the best of Chuck Berry, the Lost Boys soundtrack, (laughs) and a dubbed copy of um, uh, Weird Al Yankovic's Even Worse album. This makes a lot of sense now because I think about it, Chuck Berry was was on a lot in my house too. Mm -hmm. So you say say Beach Boys, Chuck Berry, and Weird Al, and it's like three of the things that were... Totally in my upbringing, oh, wow, too. Yeah. My stepdad listened to a lot of Huey Lewis and Bruce, Spring, Bruce Springsteen, so that that filtered in. Um, I was a big Huey fan. Yeah. I still am. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I didn't until pretty much until Nirvana broke. That was that was it. That, that and I went through a, a very depressing period in – Late junior high, early high school, where I was obsessed with the Doors, mm-hmm. um, but you know we don't we don't need to dwell on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in uh, 2000, you released Carmelita Sings, at which time soon after you broke up. We did. How, well, how did that all happen? Well, uh, Carmelita Sings was like a kind of an like an like an, an a constipated recording. Uh, it was like from 97 to 2000. If you think about it, we did 95, 97, and then 2000. So that's like, what, two years, three years. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like it was a lot of songs that we had written that we just hadn't recorded. I think Carmelita Sings has a total of, like, what, 27 songs on it or you, something? Yeah, the initial release had, I, yeah, I think it had 27 on it. And the, the, the re-release has some extra tracks on it. Um, some live stuff mm-hmm. and unreleased stuff, um, but it was, you know, even even the old the the initial release could have been two or even three albums, um, if we had been, you know, releasing them on a steady clip or had a label backing us, uh-huh. we would have been putting out you know two albums a year. It was just becoming increasingly harder without any support other than <clears throat> our 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 own pocketbooks really Mm -hmm. and you know you know just doing all facets you know booking national tours and and also too like at that time like gaining a measure of popularity like finally becoming a headliner at a place that had shunned us at the beginning that was a lot for me to deal with growing up with kind of a lot of demons and kind of strange like there was abuse and and things going on so like finally getting this acceptance was like a big thing for me and then you know like girls were paying attention and you know like for some reason a band called bobby joey bola and the children mac nuggets was becoming dare dare we say not geek but like hip Mm -hmm. and that was just fucking weird (laughs) yeah gave (laughs) gave us a little bit of an identity crisis yeah and 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 i think um you know i started you know, my, my mind was just not there. It, we, I wasn't participating in the songwriting. Uh, uh, Dan was coming up with a lot of songs. And whereas, like, you know, and so we, we 
we had recorded. Um, John Geek joined Fleshies, yeah. who went on to uh, put out records after Bobby Jobola broke up on Alternative Tentacles and Adeline Records. Um, but he, uh, he was his band asked their drummer to quit his other band, Sledrek, and so they in turn asked him to quit Bobby Jobola. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was very upsetting to me. Uh, you know, um, I think at the time it was just. We were, we were set to go on a, a month-long tour of the United States, and I we, we had always made this promise since the very, I think... When we came up with the name. Yeah, in, yeah. That, in that parking lot. Yeah. In that parking lot. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, 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 uh, we, we, we promised each other that we would do it as long as it was fun. Yeah. I, 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 I always recall that we came up with the name in that parking lot, but I, I we also said that there. Yeah, we're stoned to tears. Like if it wasn't fun, then we weren't going to do it. And so we were about a week away from touring uh, for a month around the states. And uh, I just remember walking into the geek space and uh, where we all lived. And uh, I just looked at Dan, and he looked at me, and it was just like we we just both knew, you know. Yeah. yeah. And we hugged, and then dan made you know some calls and <laughs> and we set up the last show and then our record came out and that was it everyone's got skin cancer skin cancer skin cancer everyone's got skin cancer who is to blame everyone's got skin cancer skin cancer skin cancer everyone's got skin cancer who is to blame So the next, you know, eight years, I think within two months, um, a friend of ours, mother, a friend, actually, she was a friend, she died, and two of her kids were um, were left behind, and one of them was disabled, and uh, they wanted to do a benefit. So we got back together, I think, a month after we broke broke up, uh, I think, yeah. was a, to do this benefit. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was really uncomfortable, because we, <laughs> like, we were always, we were always down to help our friends out, Yeah, um, but it was also, like... I remember telling um, telling Rachel Swan this when mm-hmm. she was doing an East Bay Express interview um, that it was it felt sort of like um, the the discomfort you might feel if if uh, you had a really bad breakup 
but no one wanted to accept it. Like, oh, you two were such a good couple. Why don't you guys, like, you know, have sex on the on the table in front of us for old times? <laughs> you know, because like music music is such an intimate thing. Yeah, yeah. You the know, cl- you the closest that we could get without doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so for us, like playing the songs, it was all it was all wound up in in all the stuff that caused the band to break up. Yeah. And and we weren't really ready for that. Um we did it a few times but it was always really volatile. Um and so it was it was good to it was good to have some breathing space. We did a lot of those of those uh <clears throat> those benefits, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did like maybe the, once one every like two years. Um, yeah, every two years or something. Every two years okay. we do somebody'd say, Oh, it's my you know <laughs> this is happening or Gilman needs a sound system yeah. and it's like uh, but you weren't yeah. actively doing any songwriting or anything. No, yeah. no. no. I I went two years without even touching my guitar. Hmm. Right after the initial breakup, or mm-hmm. yeah, oh. yeah. I I was certain I'd given up music entirely. Damn. Yeah. What were you guys doing in the meantime for the ten years before you reformed? Well, I I started. Uh, I took over as head coordinator of Spam. Uh, records. John had uh, dedicated himself full time to Fleshies, uh, touring nationally and internationally, and uh, put out way too many records for <laughs> a lot of bands: uh, Rock and Roll Adventure Kids, Gravy Train, Blast Rock, Sharp Knife, Blottos, Fleshies, Phantom Limbs. It's tons and tons and tons of bands. Like, and. Uh, Really, just was it was an unhealthy thing for me to do. I think what it was was, you know, things like institutions like Lookout or Gilman or MRR. Like, I felt like, wow, there's all these people who like need a home, and you know, like we never had a home, so like I'm, you know, this is part of like my, you know, my issues or my psychoses or something. <laughs> like, I wanted them to feel loved, and I also wanted to be loved or something, you know. So wound up um, just for years and. At a, at a certain point, like we were selling tons of records, and you know bands were getting on the cover of the the weeklies, and went on to you know larger labels and things like that, and and then it just kind of it just stopped, like about ninety three or sorry two thousand three two thousand four. Um, after that, kind of kind of crashed in on itself, and uh, just way too many records were coming out, and uh, I. What did I do during that time? I think I know that a lot of times I would I would be I would guest on different people's records. A lot of those artists, you know, um, I think I over the years probably sang on twelve or thirteen different records, you know. Um, but not until about uh, two thousand seven did I start another band, mm-hmm. and it was called Never Ending Party, and. Uh, we did a couple tours and put out a couple seven inches. And it was the first time in my life that anybody had ever put out a record for me other than something I put out for my own band. Um, so that was a really nice thing. Um, I had a couple of years where things were really bad and I had a lot of really down times. I started working at UC Berkeley kind of like, you know, as they say, turned my life around, you know, and, uh, picked up a lot of pieces. I got married and, uh, Bought a house and, you know, got a dog. And then all of a sudden, the band came back into focus. <laughs> That's how it went. Like, Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and uh, well, it was my wife that said, you know, you know, you seem happy and everything, but something's missing in you. You know, like I was like, well, you know, if like if I do this, like I don't do this, like I'm not like a salt in the swing. I don't go out on Friday nights and you know play bars with my buddies and and that's it. Like you know, I I I I do shit like I don't know. Like I want people to hear it. Yeah. And I, like. The way I do, I, it's not some sort of, you know, trying to gravitate towards fame or like, or, you know, all that stuff is nice or whatever, but it's just, I, I think it's part of my, my psychosis or something that, that we always take, I take on too much and our ideas are so, we just go, 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 go. And uh, I said, you know, we're going to tour if we put out a record and, and, uh, you know, and she said, yeah, yeah, I know that. And. I I just felt really lucky, you know. Did you know your wife while you were doing the Bob Joe Bola in the beginning? I mean, had you been well, dating we, for a while? or It's interesting you know that, that you say that because uh, we had played a show with her at the Cocodry in her old band. And um, I don't think we had met, but years later we realized that we had played a show together. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she wasn't, a, you know, an alien to, you know, music or the scene in general. So she can relate to, she could relate to it. Yeah. So, um, but no, I, I, I didn't, we met through mutual friends, um, actually friends in music, John geeks, now wife, um, grew up with my wife Mm -hmm. and we met through her. Oh, okay. So, yeah. What about Dan? What were you doing? Uh, well, the first couple of years I was, uh, I was pretty heavily involved in a relationship, uh, moved back to the suburbs, started studying martial arts, uh, went to, started going to school, and I was pretty much in community college on and off for years and years. Um, finally, in, in 2006, I finally went to SF State and got an anthropology degree, um, but uh during in the intervening years i didn't i didn't really play much music um and then had some little interpersonal crises and started writing songs again um uh and i was they weren't really going to go anywhere it was just like a bunch of songs and um then an old friend of mine a friend of ours who was part of the label uh, a guy named Dylan, who um, he he had started playing uh, accordion and was sort of part of this uh, neo-traditional kind of bohemian circus revival thing. Um, he encouraged me to sort of put the songs together, and they uh, they turned out to be a, a rock opera. Mm-hmm. So I uh, did a rock opera, um, and put that on as a stage production a couple times up in Portland. Um, he actually began working on a, a freak show and invited me along on the first tour. So I got to go on tour with a carnival freak show uh, as a... Uh, I was trying to make a documentary, and one of these days I'll edit it together. Elephant Men and, you know... <laughs> whole works. <laughs> yeah, it was actual born freaks, not... You know, uh, sword swallowers or fire. Oh, like a sideshow thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was 
actual freaks. Um, and at, on that month-long tour, which was freaks as well as, you know, hook suspension folks and uh, buto dancers and a lot of a lot of really bizarre fringe art, um, I, I met a lot of people through that uh, in Portland and uh, still uh, work with them whenever I can. Um, but along, Dylan was the founder of a group called the Hobo Goblins. And when he left for Austin to, um, to really pursue that, um, and and that's still going on today, um, the, the Hobo Goblins sort of languished. And then I, I joined the band and, and we sort of reformed, um, and, uh, that's we're we're still playing around. I lived in a few different places, Portland and Massachusetts, and um, eventually came back to the Bay Area. Um, got my degree just as the economy tanked, <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I've been. I'm still looking for a job. You know, I, I work as a substitute teacher, uh, but um, ironically, um, my musical hobby has become the 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 closest thing to a a viable career option that I've ever had um and so it's that's pretty exciting watch out for broken glass and all the obstacles they put into your way to make it feel like you got nothing better it was a bottle last night filled with some stuff that made the streets feel like a playground to get back together we were working on another project um we we have this other this rock opera that we wrote a long time ago about a sausage um and we had been talking with people about doing an animated cartoon series version of the rock opera because the characters are really iconic and so we decided to get together and and uh sort of translate it into film or translate it into a cartoon mm-hmm. pilot. And along the way, we sort of had to remember the old songs and maybe and write a couple more and... and uh, create new characters. And- create new characters. And it was really fun. And we hadn't, we hadn't worked together creatively. You know, we'd, we'd been friends, but we hadn't, we hadn't created together mm-hmm. in so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it just, it was like getting back on a bicycle. It was really fun. That's the interesting thing is that people ask us, well, why did you break up? Are you guys, were you guys upset? Are you, were you mad at each other? And it's like, no, I mean, the entire time we remained friends. I mean, I don't think 
Yeah, we were always we were sometimes roommates. We were you know we we traded couches. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, we actually when, that's true completely. <laughs> if I had a place, he was always staying on my couch, and if if, if he had a place, I was staying on his couch. That's it's true. Just, you know, we we <laughs> we we kept each other out of uh, out of the the sewer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that warms warms my cockles. <laughs> Just keep your cockles to yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the um, so we we wound up um, doing that, and then while we were doing that, some friends asked us, "Hey," um, and they were they were uh, very. I guess they didn't want to ask us because they didn't think that we would do it. It's time for another benefit show, apparently. Huh? Well, they, they they wanted us to play their record release <laughs> uh, for their first record. Okay. Ever. Yeah. yeah. And they were a bunch of people that we had, we'd known. Dan had known a lot of them since childhood. I had known some of them since childhood. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, these these were real old friends. Yeah. And and he, you know, they said, "Will you play the show?" And we were already kind of hanging out creatively again, doing this, doing the script for this animated pilot, and we were like, "Ah, uh, why not?" You know, it's been a couple years. Yeah. Let's do this. And we went out, and the response was amazing. It was amazing, and I ain't gonna lie, the money was amazing. <laughs> like yeah. we, it saved my bacon. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I mean, my rent is really cheap. Uh-huh. I live, I live in a very cheap place in Oakland, and it, it really helped. Like I would have, I would have been out on the street if not for that show. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. We, um, at that point, it was like, wow, geez, you know, that was pretty cool. Like, <laughs> what was that? You know, that was like a lot of validation. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, it, we're big in Japan. Right, right, right <laughs> you know. So, I don't know. Um, I think I went home and my wife was like, well, you guys should do this again or something. And, and I kept coming over and we were writing more songs and yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't very long at all. Uh, until we realized that we we had enough songs to to fill out an album, and that's that's when we started seriously considering uh, recording. Yeah, the first thing you did was record "Freaky Baby," which was an EP. Where did you record that? Honestly, that was like a little cul-de-sac mm-hmm. creatively that we <laughs> that was we, almost separate from the Bobby we, was, we did it in the studio when we were recording F. Yeah, okay, and it was just like a. a like, like teaser oh, release, uh-huh. you know, it was something we'd been playing around with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you know, a rap song is sometimes a little hard to convey with an acoustic guitar. Yeah, but we still do it. <laughs> Live, you know, you do. Oh, nice. Yeah, but but our our buddy Josh uh, has some skill with a sequencer, and and uh, he he put it together for us, and um, uh, it was, you know, it, it was something we. We didn't spend a super inordinate amount of time on it, but we we um, you know it was it was something that was so much fun that we couldn't just let it lie. It was like we we had we we knew that we wanted to. We had a lot of songs. We had what thirteen? 14, we had seventeen songs, seventeen new songs, and we were like, well, let's not you know like at one with the dumb had I think seventeen songs on mm-hmm. it, and you know. A lot of good albums have like 13 songs on them. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Let's look at what would make a good album. And so we looked at what the songs. What will fit on vinyl. What will fit on vinyl, mm-hmm. too. We wanted to do vinyl for the first time. Yeah. 
for our first L, uh, our first LP back in ten years F. Yeah. And so what we but what we did with Freaky Baby was okay. Well, let's release this as a teaser EP before mm-hmm. F. Four new songs, and it'll be this rap song, and people will think that we're a rap group now. <laughs> but then if they listen past that, they'll hear some traditional folk songs by us. Mm-hmm. And even a cover of Brother Can You Spare a Dime mm-hmm. with Dan's bandmate from the Hobo Goblin, Skylar Fell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. Uh, and so interesting enough, we decided to make this rap video for it. Uh, so we recorded that at the same time we, we did our full length F. Mm-hmm. And the label was like, okay, well, do you have a video for your new full length? Yeah, and we're like, well, no, but we have this rap video for, for this, you know, this, like, this thing we're not selling yet. Yeah, and did yeah. you did you make the video and the song? Were they kind of conceived at the same time? Because it seems like they match yeah. up really well. It was a them. digital release, so it was yeah. like we released it like on iTunes uh-huh. and and uh, so. It, I mean, as soon as the song was done, we were talking about the video. Yeah, yeah, but it was still like. It was all kind of pie in the sky at, uh-huh. at that point, but you know, then through um, through the Mystic Knights uh, of the Cobra, yeah, Mystic Knights of the Cobra, whose rhythm section played uh, on our album, mm-hmm. um, uh, their one of their buddies is a, a filmmaker, um, and he uh, Chris Poshel, Poshel, um, Poshel, yeah, and um, with Bent Lens, yeah. Bent Lens, and uh, so we, you know, it's a real like skeleton crew. They're very like guerrilla style, but they, you know, they do good work. They were nominated for an Emmy last year. Yeah, the, the video is excellent. Yeah, yeah, you know, so they jumped on and and uh, we did it in like what two or three days. It was two days. Two yeah. days, and mm-hmm. and uh, and then it was done. And then you know, people were like, "Oh, this is great." But the label's like, you know, where's the video to promote your 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 full length? You know, yeah. and we're like, well, we have this rap video that doesn't sound like anything else we do, huh? huh? <laughs> you know, and, great. Uh, which is to me, that's very typical of this band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that right. we like. It's <laughs> like if we got hired as a car salesman and then we went out in the lot and we were like selling like peeps. <laughs> yeah, or mopeds. You know. But what did the record label say to that? That they encouraged um, it? Well, they were like. They were like, "Well, what are you guys doing?" You know, like, "You guys, well, we're going to film the video." And they're like, "Well, that's great, you know, awesome." Yeah. You know, uh, it was very bare bones budget, you know, and and uh, at, the, at that point, they just didn't. They were just kind of confused, you know. <laughs> like, but now that now that I think that they hear that we're going to do a video for every one of the songs on our full length, they're happy uh-huh. because I, I guess today in today's you know internet viral world. You know, every time you make a video that counts as another ad for your album, you know. A lot of people get their music through YouTube these days, too. Yeah. That's how they learn about bands and, and yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we're we're having a lot of fun because, you know, we've always wanted to make films with the band. So, it's going to, it's, it's great. In the land of nothing's free, where the poor leave home for more, most of us see the same two choices. Do or do 
just uh, completed a tour for F. How was that? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we, we went out. The first tour was was a little uh, strange because we booked half of it about a month out because we decided we weren't going to fly to the fest the, uh, uh, sponsored by No Idea Records and Paps Blue Ribbon out in Florida. Yeah. Um, so, but by the, by the time we got to all of the shows that we had booked three months out, it was like, it was just acceptance, validation. It was just like, wow, this is why we got back together. There, there were people that remembered us from the old days that were waiting and had yeah. been talking us up. Yeah, yeah. And even kids who had like found us on the internet who had uh-huh. showed up with one of our records, like our, the Two Cats EP, you can get it on Amazon for $30, the CD. Yeah. And he showed up and he was standing at the door and he's like, hello, my name is Andrew... Connor and I would like you to sign this for me, you know. And we're just uh-huh. like, what, you know? Like, we're like, come have tacos with us. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like, what? This is, uh, you know. And uh, you know, but then um, in December we went out from December second to December twentieth of two thousand ten. That to me was like, it, our shows got larger, and we were. Um, it was a lot easier to get around as far as money and. Mm. Just we play with we yeah we play with you know great bands and people and just yeah yeah it was we 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 div, we sort of divided the tour into three different legs, um, and the first two legs we had um, local bands in the area kind of like showing us around and booking the shows for us uh-huh. and that was really nice to have hosts basically yeah. tour guides. Hard feelings um, from uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, they we we did a, about a week with them, uh, basically from Minneapolis to Chicago. Um, well, the the first part we did with um, Tartar Control from down in L.A. and we we basically shared shows, and then we flew out from L.A. to Minneapolis, um, and drove with Hard Feelings in their van because um, they're a three piece and we're a two piece, mm-hmm. so it was it was totally comfortable. Um, we went with them as far as Chicago, uh, where we, we played this big old show with a lot of familiar faces and our, our buddy Alex Cole, the comedian showed up and did a surprise set. Our friends in uh, the band, this is my fist played, And, and then our friend Beckett from Cleveland drove out to pick us up, to take us all the way to, uh, you know, all the rest of our shows all the way to Boston, uh, to which we flew out from Boston back home. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did a what four day stint in New York. Yeah, we did. We did two days in Brooklyn and two days on uh, on in uh, Manhattan. You know, it, it just it, it was it, it was great. We can't wait to go back out. I mean, like personally, I, like I feel like oh my gosh, like we, you play a lot at home, and you know, you know, we we also play semi locally. We play like Sacramento and Vacaville yeah. and Davis and you know San Jose and. You know, places like that. But when you go out there, especially, I think, during the freezing cold, you know, we went out, <laughs> you know, people were like, why are you out here? This is really like Christmas. Like, yeah. I, I, and also, too, a lot of people saying, I never thought I was going to get to see your band play. Mm-hmm. Like, I I know your songs. I've had your records for so long. And I thought you guys were just dead to the world. And that, this, mm-hmm. that I get to see this, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, you know... Yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like if uh, if Night of the Living Dead were a happy movie. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> oh, look. Look, they're out there. <laughs> Somebody actually came up to me when I was like in, in like a state of like very, very drunken bliss. And we were playing in uh, in Minneapolis, and they were like, "Whoa, it's like I see, I'm seeing a zombie." And they were they were kind of being like a little snarky, yeah. yeah. Like, and I was like, "I hope not, because I'm alive." <laughs> and, and, and like you know, you know, and I meant that, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, we got new songs, you know. And there was that worry that you know, okay, you guys come back, and what if you guys stink? Like, what if and People who have known us for a long time and been fans of the band or just love the album, you know, or, you know, new people are like, like within the first two weeks of the album being out, we had people <laughs> say that they liked that a favorite song was a different song on the album. Mm-hmm. And that to us was a good sign. Like everybody had a, all 13 songs were somebody's favorite. Yeah. Well, and that good. meant right. something. Someone li- at least one person liked liked, everything. liked every, every song. Yeah. yeah, on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we get into a little bit of live music, what else do you guys got going on? Uh, you got what do you got to plug? How do people get in touch with you? You can go to uh, uh, bobbyjoebola dot com on the internet. We're also on uh, the old Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, um, Reverb Nation. I like yeah. I'll it everywhere. Talk to old man Google. Yeah. He'll, he'll point you in the right direction. Go to uh, upcoming shows on uh-huh. Uh We are uh, hoping to record in April uh, for our an upcoming EP called Meal Deal with the Devil. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, June, probably another tour. Around the States. And uh, hopefully for going out for a month. And uh, hopefully next year Europe and and you know and these and these thirteen music videos you know are going to be taking up a lot of our time yeah, in the next exactly. coming months you know <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of arts and crafts parties and you know gr- <laughs> painful uh, running in place in front of green screens <laughs> you know but yeah. well, that's good I'm really glad to see that you guys are doing so well and you've returned to the scene <laughs> thank you everybody's been missing you <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. we got a special treat for you right now. We've got a couple of live songs recorded in Music Live Radio Studios off the new album, F. Take it away, guys. So this is a, a, a new song. It's the first song on our new album, F. And um, I, it's my, I, I'd say it's my favorite song. I've got a lot of favorites on the new album. Uh, but it seems to, uh, people seem to think it's a very... Um, I don't know. People either really, really like it or they think like, wow, Bob, this is the only song that I've heard that people have said, wow, Bobby Joe has changed. And that, that makes, that's, it shocks me, but I actually like that too. Just a little too weird, even for me. But if you can make it over here, we can 
toast the end of everything It doesn't matter who started it A brand new flag is waving on every stinking station Maybe when you've had a little sleep You'll be better conversation Do you need a car? Do you need a house? Do you need some shelter from the radiation? You can crash on my couch and wait for the light to fade And I'll shoot you at the first sign of invention I'm not what you'd call sentimental And it was always complicated Even if we remain Things will never be the same And we're already changing I've built my house of steel I built my house of lead I seal myself in tight against the radiation Well, you seem alright But I am keeping on the light Just in case you try to kill me I let you in my house I guess that I was wrong Maybe these things aren't contagious Bandage up that scratch I've got a pitchfork and a bat Maybe Seal was right about the crazy Do you need some cards? Do you need some dice? Killing time and waiting for the radiation I've got sorry, I've got risk But the game of life is missing pieces Why don't you check down in the basement? I've built my house in a car I've built my house in a house I sealed myself and tied up against the radiation Because I said right out I am keeping on the light And I'll shoot you at the first sign of invasion Sounds like a classic Bobby Joe ball, to me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had some folks saying, you know, it sounds like you're desperately trying to sell out. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, wow. You guys are trying to sound like that. Man. I wish Bobby Joe ball. I, I wish I knew how. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, we'd love to sell out. As Tom Lair said, selling out is easy to do. It's not so hard to find a buyer for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Something new? Um, waking up? Sure. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, this song uh, was written after a party at Dan's house where I got really, really messed up. And I went home and I think I regretted like ten things. <laughs> and, and Dan was still my friend. I'm so lucky to have you as a friend, Dan. Uh, thanks. I'm lucky to have you as a friend, too. You're lying. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, no, this is, uh, we're, we're growing down right now. We're growing down. All right. I, I know that you're not lying because you're not wearing any pants and your lie detector is going off. Yeah. <laughs> Radio Magic, 
my lie detector. You can have the fucking worm. Early bird can kiss my ass. The shining sun does not seem fun. I think today I'll pass. I have to say, a wasted day is something I regret. But it's my choice to shut out noise and spend my time in bed. I close my eyes. There's an amazing show for free. Sheep on swinging stars, singing candy bars, hot dogs, dance with donuts, and the thousand prancing sluts. I'm so not here, I'm not all there, oh you heard it sadly true, after last night I don't feel right, waking up is hard to do. Earthquakes and tornadoes could hit this town right now. My bed could lift and start to spin with cars and trees and cows. None of this would wake me as I soundly saw some logs. Yes, I'd fall asleep in Oakland and awake in Bogota. I close my eyes. There's an amazing show for free. Sheep on swinging stars, singing candy bars, hot dogs, dance with donuts, and a thousand prancing stars. I'm so not here, I'm not all there. Oh, you heard it sadly true. After last night, I don't feel right. Waking up is hard to do. I'm so not here, I'm not all there. Oh, you heard it sadly true. After last night, I don't feel right. Waking up is hard to do. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, that ends the podcast. Thanks again for coming down to Music Live Radio and sharing your songs and stories with us, boys. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Thanks. Thanks again to Bobby Joe Ebola and the Children Mac Nuggets. We're going to leave you with one of their songs called Lake of Flies on their F album.
some words of wisdom from Dan Abbott. You know, if you get up on the lunch table at, in high school and yell your poetry out, no one is really going to pay attention to you. But if you scream it while playing guitar, it might get stuck in their head. <laughs>